to Sequel Pitch Episode 11, where four film enthusiast friends review movies that don't have sequels, and then we see who can come up with the best idea for a sequel. Very quick shout out before we get started. We would always love to hear from you, our lovely listeners, if there are any movies that you think we should be pitching sequels for, or if you've got your own pitches for movies that we've already done. So if you search Sequel Pitch on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, get in touch and we would love to read out some of your messages on the show. Anyway, my name is Drew Toynbee, I'm hosting this week, and joining me once again today to review the movie and pitch me their sequels are my usual three psychological constructs, your invented boyfriend who lives in Canada, Andy Henry. Thanks. Hello. <laughs> I was trying to get an alien accent, but I wasn't brave enough. So. <laughs> uh, your bouncy, cuddly, imaginary childhood friend, Ross Harmston. Oh, bing pong, bing pong, we like to fuck, we like to fart. Oh my god! I don't know what the song was. What? Oh no! <laughs> um, dog. I said fart. I said it. It didn't sound like. Oh, it. did it not? I said no. Well, the listeners will be able to hear. I said fart. Fart. Did you say fart oh, twice? I said we like to. Yeah, fart. the first one sounded like something <laughs> yeah. decidedly not fart. <laughs> and maybe I've I've put these labels on the wrong people. But lastly, the uh, creature from your nightmares coming out from under your bed to eat all of your bones. Matt Rushton. Hey, we like to fuck, we like to fart. <laughs> <laughs> we're like the yin and yang. So, as as I'm sure you can tell from the way that this is going, we've gone for some really family-friendly fare this week and watched Disney Pixar's 2015 coming-of-age comedy drama Inside Out, directed by Pete Doctor and co-directed by Ronnie Del Carmen. <laughs> We will get to our thoughts on the movie in just a minute, but as always, before we talk about the film, we do our roughly 60-second summary in case you haven't seen it and can't be bothered to do so before listening to the episode. So, without further ado, I'm going to start that now. The film shows us that humans are driven by five emotions, joy, sadness, fear, anger and disgust. Our hero emotions live in humanoid form in the control centre of the mind of Riley, an 11-year-old girl. We learn that all of the emotions have a purpose, except for sadness. No one really understands why she's there. Joy and sadness are accidentally ejected from the control centre along with the core memories that power Riley's personality. Without her core memories, Riley's personality shuts down, and because joy and sadness are no longer present, Riley is only able to feel anger, fear and disgust. What follows is a race against time as Joy and Sadness try to get home with the help of Riley's childhood imaginary friend, Bing Bong, whilst anger, fear and disgust put the idea in Riley's head to run away to try and make some new happy memories. Eventually, Bing Bong sacrifices himself to save Joy from the pit where, for where forgotten memories go, and Joy and Sadness get back to the control centre just as Riley has boarded the bus to run away. Sadness is then the only one who's able to get the idea to run away out of her head. Joy has realised that sadness is important because sadness is the emotion that gets others to take care of you and makes it easier to feel better when you've been sad. Joy and Sadness then work together to create a brand new core memory as Riley gets home and hugs her parents, smiling and crying all at once. This mixed, happy and sad core memory shows that Riley is becoming able to develop more complex emotions that are mixtures of more than one and that she is growing up. So there we go, chaps. The first animation in our run of movies. What did you guys all think? Loved it. Yeah, it's a beautiful movie. Beautiful. Nothing from Ross. Yeah, very, very quiet. Yeah, I, I, it's a good movie. It, don't <laughs> get me wrong. It's a really good movie. It's just not for me. 
up there with the Pixar greatest hits. So, okay, so I personally found this movie incredibly moving and and like genuinely quite profound as someone who's been through like depression and therapy and counseling at various points in my life. And so that it is possible that it is speaking to me more than other people given that this fairly clearly touches on themes of depression and various other things without ever saying it out loud what could it have done differently ross or what is it that other pixar films do differently that you think is better um i don't really know i can't literally go to you it needs to have a b c and d for me to enjoy it that's the hardest thing about it it's just something inside me didn't resonate as much as it has done with I don't know, like the first original Toy Story or Soul, their new one that they just released. Because I thought Soul, um, but don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is a bad movie. This is not no, like no, it's absolutely it, not. it's a wonderful movie and well voice acted. Um, there's some wonderful character moments. Like I love the bit with Bing Bong and um, when he disappears and he le- and he sacrifices himself. I thought that was really good. However, I just I don't know. I, I I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. I love. I like it, but I can't pinpoint why I can't put it up there with the other Pixar great, like the classics. If you know what I mean. For me, it did the complete opposite. It very much on a similar way to how it connected with Drew. Like it was just such a kind of bearing of one's soul and that journey and. Yeah, I connected with it very personally on kind of times that I've felt lost like that, that I've kind of, you know, been felt like being driven by perhaps what you'd label negative uh, emotions and feelings and kind of that loss of happiness and whatnot, I think. So for me, it touched a real personal uh, spot. And I think it's just a beautiful way to look at what is such a complicated construct, as Drew used the word earlier, of the human, not just the human body, but the human mind in particular, and just how, you know, how advanced we are and how we advance as we grow up. You know, something as silly as creating a memory that could be two emotions. For me, I was just like, wow. And I have seen this (laughs) film a million times. But every time there are just certain bits that, you know, they just, yeah, they resonate. I think that's the perfect word. They just resonate that bit where it's a joyous memory and sadness touches it. And it's exactly the same memory, but it just has a completely different feeling. We can all probably relate to moments that have been euphoric to us. And then we think about it when we're in, you know, perhaps a sad mood. And it has a completely different feeling to it and brings up a whole different emotional set. So, yeah, I thought it was a masterpiece, if I'm honest. How about you, Andy? Yeah, yeah, can't really put more onto that. I mean, um, I love the creativity of it all. Um, Obviously, having, like, the idea of core memories that can change colour or when someone touches it, it changes colour, but they don't know why and stuff. Really like that. Um, I like 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 the when the memories start to fade and go grey or dark, and then like someone's hoovering up because it's phone numbers, and they're like, "We don't. She doesn't need this." Just little things like that is really like yeah. just um, uh, um, and like our oh, Bing Bong, like obviously 
I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Bing Bong. I think everyone is. And no matter how many times <laughs> I could walk in to this movie on that scene where he's like disappearing and I could start crying. Some other things for me to point out, like really quickly, the I think the score is just marvelous. And Michael Giacchino is absolutely deserves to get the amount of work that he gets. He's stunning. And I've never heard a score of his that I've not that hasn't been emotionally resonant. He's always great. And the voice cast of this movie is they're they're just absolutely pitch perfect. The actors all do an incredible job of inhabiting the roles and they and the animation to go alongside them and the character design it it does all fit together marvelously well. Yeah, does anyone else have any other particular thoughts that you'd like to add? I I like the fact that for me it's weird it's weird that the emotions in the father are all with moustaches and they're all men and they're all women in the uh, mothers but in riley's they're all different that was my only thing i was like okay and like there was a there was a whole fan theory going around you probably heard it that um riley is kind of confused about uh, her gender which is cool, but then the directors obviously. I think you shared the article where the director said, "No, nah, that's just that's not." Yeah, he the the director just kind of came out and said they felt like anger and fear, anger in particular. I think they were like that's a very male emotion, and they thought they felt joy was very female, and so they just kind of did that. And it, as as far as I can remember, they basically just said the dad's emotions are all male. And the mums are all female, just so that very quickly, in visual shorthand, even the small kids watching in the audience will be able to work out what it is. But as as we discussed at the time, if people who are gender non-binary or who are trans have been able to take something positive out of it, then just because it wasn't the authorial intent for it to mean more, it doesn't mean that it can't have personal meaning to a lot of people yeah. which is right. i i yeah exactly like obviously if people take meaning from it I, I would have just preferred i don't know some um something a bit different to that like but that's my own personal thing i was like oh it's, it seems weird that they're all male and they're all female um because mm-hmm. not uh, like yeah so that that's my only gripe with the film um that's fair i i did i really appreciated in the credits when they're going into various other people's minds and it shows that the bus driver um is all anger but just different colors (laughs) i found that quite funny yeah and oh my god i can't it's it's diane lane and kyle mclaughlin as the parents like my god it's just it's it's yeah just everything about this film i think is is absolutely wonderful but time is ticking on and so it's probably time to get to our headline thoughts and our scores. So I am going to go top to bottom on the screen and say, Ross. Oh, I'm going to give it 4.5 out of 5. Um, yeah, uh, I, I couldn't think of a thing. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't think of a thing. I was like, oh, yeah, wait, I didn't do it. Uh, yeah, I'll give it 4.5 uh, out of 5. It's good. It's really, really good. Um, not many negatives, but yeah, it's not going to get a five okay. for me because it's not a, not a five for me. But yeah, that's fair. Four point five, very respectable score. Yeah. Um, Matthew. Okay, I'm sitting here 
full of pride in my school that I'm I'm giving it the perfect five core memories out of five. I I wouldn't change a single thing about this movie. And if it was for the podcast, I might have scored it 4.95 out of 5 because mine would be the perfect <laughs> sequel, but I'm not going to start that too early in this podcast. So no, I'm going to be honest and be like, this is an absolute must-watch 5 out of 5 for me. Okay. Andy? Yeah, definitely must-watch. Um, I love everything about it. Love the score. Um, it's four point uh, four and three-quarter ping-pongs. <laughs> Which now I say four is really point, disturbing. But. 4.75. Yeah, 4.75. 4. 4. It's, it's, it's so good. But then, yeah, it's like, it's so up there, but not quite perfect, because is there perfect, basically? Okay. Um, and for me, I'm I'm firmly with Matt. I, I think this is a, a stone-cold masterpiece. I think it's beautiful. I, as with Matt, I could not think of a single thing that I would change, honestly. So I am also giving it a five, which rockets it to the top of our scoreboard. Um, Our highest rated film at 4.81 out of five. Nice. Thoroughly bloody deserved as well. Well well deserved. Pixar, tip of the hat to you for what was a beautiful, beautiful film. Now that we've done our scores... It is probably just about time to move on and get your sequels pitched. As always, the rules of the pitches are very, very simple. You three will have your chance to pitch me your idea for your movie without interruption and you can sell it to me as best you can. After you've done your pitch, I'll have a few questions for each of you and then you will all have a chance to persuade me why I should pick your movie over the other two while the other two try to persuade me otherwise all at the same time and it all gets a bit bantery and it's all good fun. So this time I am going to start with last week's host, Matthew. Thank you very much. Uh, So Matt, what's your title for your Inside Out sequel? Uh, My Inside Out sequel is called Inside Out 2 The Rainbow Road. Very good. Okay, without any further ado, let's hear your sequel pitch. Okay. It's been two years. We see a montage of Riley's years since the first movie and how her memories and experiences become more complex externally and more colourful internally. Yep, it's puberty. The montage ends with Inside (laughs) Out 2, The Rainbow Road. Riley gets on a bus as usual. We see what is clearly a regular exercise in her mind as Joy tries to get her to interact with groups and others and the other emotions stop her. Riley seems to struggle a little bit with the whole fitting in thing and she sits alone at the back. All of a sudden she's confronted by someone sitting next to her, breaking her out of her own little world. Cue a new internal thing appearing. Something something that kind of doesn't appear to have a personality or an emotion and it's just grey in colour the other internal emotions are confused by its presence and don't know how to react Riley likewise is unable to really process a reaction to the individual sat next to her cue an awkward start to the bus ride eventually there's a moment of eye contact and an awkward smile between the two which adds a sudden yellow glow to the grey mass in Riley's mind as the moment passes the yellow seems to be absorbed by the grey mass The two chat after Riley notices a hockey badge on the girl's bag and she introduces herself as Stevie. She's new to the school today. The grey mass flashes different colours throughout the conversation reflecting Riley's feelings to each topic 
and each time the colour is absorbed by the grey after a moment. Riley walks Stevie to the relevant classroom before heading off to her own class, but not after one last smile. Grey glows yellow again, but where before the colour was absorbed, this time a little patch of yellow stays. Riley and her parents have dinner later that night. Riley talks about meeting Stevie. Mum's internal conversation is very switched on and acknowledges that they're very close, clearly. Dad's internal conversation is once again kind of semi-listening and there's only a blob in the background that's frantically making notes. All the others are off doing their own thing. Cue another witty retort by the mum's internal emotions. The movie essentially follows the developing friendship between Riley and Stevie. They have good moments and bad moments, and at the end of each of these moments that we see, another colour patch appears on the grey matter, reflecting which emotion was involved. Grey, as I'm calling it, also begins to take on a more human-like form, but is still quite unrecognisable. From time to time, Riley makes core memories with Stevie too, and the friendship island appears to be changing. One half is kind of all of her friends, and the other is more dedicated to just her and Stevie. The whole time this is happening, Riley's internal emotions are very confused and unsure about what's happening to the island and who or what Grey is in the background and why they've appeared. The end of Act 2 is a crucial point of my movie. I want Act 2 to end with Stevie kissing Riley, a moment that captures that universal awkwardness of teenage love, but also really sensitively tackles that Riley and Stevie are both female. This is huge and cannot in any way be humorous or take away from the importance and the weight of what's just happened. The moment is only broken with Riley running off crying and leaving Stevie. Cut to internal Riley, where suddenly Grey seems to form a face which is actually Stevie's face. It's a swirling mass of colours and they cannot kind of seem to set in one specific colour. Internal Stevie also speaks for the first time and exclaims that they are that they are somehow all of the internal emotions blended into one, but that they don't have a name and cannot form properly yet. Riley is now alone in her room. She goes through all the emotions and extremes. Each time a corresponding fl- like the patch on grey flashes brightly. Joy is last and Riley finally calms with a smile, and a new core memory is formed, one that is rainbow in colour. The memory is just her sat there, nothing physically happening, but the moment captures her beginning to open up to a new feeling and emotion, and more importantly beginning to open up about her sexuality. The core memory processes and we see Friendship Island split. The new island appears to rise above Friendship Island as connected to the mind centre with the Rainbow Road. Her dad has been stood in the doorway looking really emotional. Internally, we see her father processing every time that they've supposedly been half-listening. All those notes come back flooding in, and he sits on the bed with her. The two engage in an incredibly emotional conversation where Riley opens up. We see all of Riley's internal conflicts being brought to the surface through Riley's kind of monologue, and likewise we see all of the internal conflicts in Dad as he listens. There's a charged silence which triggers another core memory, but it's not for Riley. This one's for her dad. Again, it's rainbow in colour. It shines way brighter than the others as it's processed into his machine, which is kind of full of dusty old core memories, and this is the first time that one's been processed for a while. He hugs Riley really (laughs) tight. He whispers how proud of her he is, and he tells her that while he may not fully understand everything right now, he still loves her regardless. 
We then see in his head that he has a multicolored internal emotion too, which has the face of Riley. The rainbow form with Riley's face is at the helm and helps him to offer advice and encouragement. He reinforces that whoever Riley is, whatever path in life Riley takes, and whoever Riley chooses to love, you are my child and a father's love of his child is unconditional. Mom has similarly been in the doorway for a chunk of this conversation and she, she silently joins them. In her mind we see two rainbow figures, hand in hand and both of them at the helm. One has the face of the dad and the other has the face of Riley. The movie ends with Riley meeting up with Stevie and apologising. She explains that this has all been very new for her and that she's never met someone who's had this impact on her before. Internal Stevie, the rainbow mass, is taking over and she's now driving at the helm. And we see a new island, we see the new island above friendship begins to form into a solid mass, which is in the shape of a heart. Grace suddenly realises its name, it's love. The final scene is them playing hockey and enjoying each other's company, but with a newfound sparkle in each other's eyes at the end. Okay. Thank you very much, Matt. Um, Just a couple of questions. First off, so the the decision to have Riley be gay... Mm -hmm. What led you to making that decision? Um, I think it actually came from a conversation we had in the beginning with the fact that she has male and female emotions. And I was at first considering going down the route of looking at, uh, you know, gender neutral, non-binary, trans, um, and that complex set of emotions. And if I'm completely honest with you, I'm not equipped to be able to talk about that after having a couple of days to put a pitch together. The truth of the matter with this is I think this is the perfect, perfect opportunity for Pixar to make a statement. Um, And I would want this to be a statement movie about normalising homosexuality with, you know, young adults and, you know, teenagers, even younger children. And having it as a conversation that doesn't have to be taboo in, you know, from the youngest of young children watching it making it giving the parents an opportunity to kind of watch the movie and understand that there's a complex load of emotions for the parents too i really wanted the dad rather than the mum to be the one that goes on this journey to open up perhaps some difficult doors for the parent especially dads who may struggle or from experiences that i know with friends it's been the dad more than the mum that struggled with acceptance and I wanted this to be an opportunity to open up a conversation about acceptance okay thank you my other point is a kind of structural one in that the if so the end of act two is when the girls kiss for the first time which is traditionally when the sort of the big climax of the film begins and the sort of the falling action of act three starts happening then and it got me thinking about the 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 sort of journey of your film obviously there is there is character growth for the humans this time not so much for the emotions yes um which is fine and i think it could it's easily a good enough vehicle to sort of change shift over to the human side of it rather than the emotional side on the inside and that could work fine but what is What's the jeopardy? What's the action? Aside from the two girls getting to know each other and developing their relationship, mm-hmm. is there anything else that you could add to it that would 
add some more stakes in the build-up? Or do you just see this as a gentle, blossoming, tentative relationship drama? Is that how you see it? Um, I think that has to be the anchor of the movie. That has to be the spine of the movie, is that journey. Um, and I don't want it to kind of be lost along the way. Especially when it's one of them that perhaps the first time you watch it, it's a bit of an eye-opener and a revelation, but... Once people know what the movie is and what it stands for, I want them to be able to see that journey clearly. I guess, you know, with Grey, the whole thing about Grey being there and being kind of a, a bit more of a mass than an actual uh, humanoid figure and the fact that it keeps changing colour and changing shape can be adding to the mystery of it. Uh, Friendship Island and what's going on, because it's all so new. I want the idea is that it's new so... All of her internal emotions are really struggling to deal with this too. But I must admit, I haven't been able to pad out how that looks and what her internal, what the internal emotion story is and how that narrative sits on the same parallel as the external story. Okay. All right. Thank you, Matt. I am going to now move on to Andy's pitch. So, Andy, uh, what is the title of your film, please? Mine is called Inside Out 2, Growing Up. Okay. Whenever you're ready. Okay, so it's two years later. Riley is charging at a hockey uh, is charging at a player at a hockey game as her parents cheer her on from the stands. Riley pushes the player against a wall and steals the puck. It's a legal but aggressive move, and as Riley scores and celebrates, her parents look at each other, worried. We go inside Riley's head to see the cast from the original film celebrating that they've scored and won the game. Title, Inside Out 2, Growing Up. At school, the emotions are commenting on all the other kids. Their clothes, hair, nothing compares to Riley. Tiffany, a new student, introduces herself, and she's easily seen as too annoying to be Riley's friend, but Joy convinces everyone to give her a chance. Turns out this new kid is annoying. She even asked for homework. The emotions agree to kick Tiffany out of the group, and we have an awkward scene where the emotions are trying to tell Tiffany that Riley doesn't want her to be a friend. Eventually, Ry- Riley blurts out, Just go away! Leave me alone! Tiffany leaves, upset. We see Riley's changed a bit since we've last seen her. She's a teenager now, trying to fit in. Her and her friends walk out of the shop, and a lady's bag rips and her groceries fall to the ground. The emotions see Riley's friends are laughing and make Riley laugh too. The lady asks Riley for help, but Riley, Riley makes fun of her, and she and her friends leave. As the emotions celebrate they, uh, as the emotions celebrate that they made Riley's friends laugh, Joy hears a whisper in the back of Riley's head, but when she turns around, there's nothing there. She asks if the others heard it, but they didn't. Joy starts acting crazy, saying she heard something, so the emotions tie her to a chair and make her take the night watch. As midnight strikes, Joy hears the whisper again, but this time it's getting louder, and she screams as she sees a ghost. She screams again, and then she wakes up in the chair, laughing as it was all a dream. In the morning, Joy tells the emotions about the ghost dream as Riley eats breakfast with her, pa- uh, with, with her family. Her parents say they started to notice Riley acting differently lately. At school, Riley and her friends are starting to make, starting to make fun of Tiffany behind her back. Suddenly, inside the, uh, inside the head, the emotions hear a ooh, and, jo- and Joy says it's the ghost. Anger says, that's it, I'm tying her to the chair again. But a louder ooh bellows throughout the head. The emotions hear this and hide behind the control desk as, the, as a ghostly figure appears. It starts to, walk, uh, starts to walk towards them, and they start screaming. But when it gets up close, we hear, in the voice of Kelsey Grammer, it's actually been saying, No! No! The emotions ask who this ghost is, but the ghost replies, I am. 
Riley is put in more situations where she could be a good person, but she or the emotions choose not to. As the emotions always choose the wrong choice, causing them to laugh, this ghost always brings down the fun by standing at the back saying, Why are you doing that? That's not funny. We should help that person. Much to the annoyance of the other five. In the next hockey game, the emotions are fighting over the controls as they want to score. As they start a fight, the ghost walks up to the controls and makes Riley pass to a teammate who, who shoots but misses badly. The emotions tell off the ghost for passing the puck, but the ghost says it's because she was open and she's my teammate. The emotions lock the ghost in a closet. At school, Riley embarrasses herself by trying to talk to the popular girls. The emotions start running out of things to say, causing Riley to become awkward. The popular girls laugh, causing the can canteen to erupt into laughter. Riley starts to cry and runs out. When she's outside, she sees Tiffany eating alone. They start to talk and T Tiffany says she knows what it's like to be laughed at. She's had a tough time since moving to the school. The emotions are still hurt from being laughed at, laughed at so they unlock the ghost. Oh. The emotions are still hurt from being laughed at, so they unlock the ghost. The ghost walks up to the controls and Ri Riley apologises for kicking Tiffany out of the group before really getting to know her. Tiffany says she only acted that way because she was so nervous about meeting new people. Riley invites her to her house after school. The emotions ask what the ghost did and the ghost replies, I just tried to make Riley a good person. Later that day, Tiffany is around Riley's and the pair are having a great time. At school the next day, Riley and Tiffany are hanging out. Riley's friends uh, run over to her and tell her they've got a great idea. They're going to pull an embarrassing prank on another student. The emotions think it's a great idea, but before they agree, they turn to the ghost who says, that's not funny, we shouldn't be a part of that. The emotions agree and Riley turns down the offer. Her friends call her boring and Riley says, I wouldn't be a good person if I did that. Maybe it's time to start hanging out with other people. Tiffany asks Riley if she wants to come to an after-school gaming club she's just joined. We end with Riley meeting new friends and her and Tiffany becoming BFFs. The emotions offer the ghost a position at the controls, but it says, thank you, but I don't need to be here to be present. I will always be the voice at the back of Riley's head. They say their goodbyes and the ghost vanishes. The last scene is Riley in a similar situation to something that happened earlier in the film. Maybe she's coming out of the same shop and another lady's bags break. The, sh it's got, the shop's got shit bags. This time the emotions laugh a little and we hear a voice in the back of Riley's head that says, we should help her. And the emotions agree and they help the lady. Okay. All right. Thank you. So with Matt, there's a very, it, it's fairly clear the sort of the general, the drive of what he's getting at mm. with his. What are you trying to say with your film? What kind of message or experience of growing up specifically are you trying to convey? It's grown a conscience, basically. Okay. That's what I okay. want a ghost to represent. It's, um, I've got the idea of, um, of like a ghost, obviously, so it's a bit uh, it's like scary at first, but when it approaches, it's like a cookie, a cookie, cookie cutter cutout. So it's quite like adorable and harmless. Um, okay. All right. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a presence. Um, so it's not an emotion or anything like that. And say so it doesn't hang out at the end. It's always just a voice at the back of someone's head. Um, okay. Yeah. I I I I see where you're coming from. I like that. Um, similar. Another similar question to what I or no uh, a similar question to ask Matt where the other one that I asked wasn't. What are the stakes in this? What is there an inciting incident that just kicks something off or again is it just we're watching this slice of life as this happening in 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 the inside of Riley's head begins to happen no i don't, i i get what you mean originally i wanted the the premise was uh, riley was going to uh, cuz i never wanted to make riley the idea of the film was riley's not a bully and she's not like she's not a bully and she doesn't turn into a nerd or a goody two shoes and the idea of having a conscience you know cuz she laughs a little bit at the ladies 
you know, unfortunate incident, but she's still a good mm. person. The idea is just having a conscience doesn't make you a goody two-shoes. The original idea was um, she was, uh, the new student was going to get bullied and pushed to the floor in the canteen, and Riley was going to be one of the many students on the outside of the circle laughing. And by the end of the film, she was going to come in and stop it. But again, there was no, there was no stakes, no drama. So I was like, I need, um, I would have loved Riley to have just grown a conscience and not have her learn a lesson, but she needed to learn a lesson and her embarrassing herself um, in, uh, in front of the popular, uh, in front of the popular girls and in front of the school, basically, um, makes her realize what she kind of did to, to the new girl, Tiffany. Okay. Um, you, you mentioned that the emotions do everything wrong what do you see as being the cause of the like how 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 do you explain that or could you please explain that yeah it's because she's i say she's a she's a teenager so she's trying to fit in it's quite funny like in the first one when joy when joy cries a load of people were like wait a minute does she now have like sadness in her head or something like that so i'm playing with the idea that these these emotions they they obviously already have a conscience they already know kind of right and wrong but they have to toy with that to stay popular uh and seem cool and things like that so like Anger could be like, no, 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 yeah, let's, that's, that's, you know, make fun of Tiffany. And, and Joy would be a bit like, well, it's a bit mean, but uh, yeah, I guess we need to fit in. So, ha look at her. Okay. All right. Of all of the voices you could pick to voice <laughs> the Kelsey the Grammer. super ego of a 14-year-old girl, you have picked Kelsey Graham. Honestly, no, I, uh, up to about 10 minutes before we were recording this, it just said in a non-threatening voice. And I was, as I was like doing my last practice, I was like, why is this not Kelsey Grammer? I have no idea. Change it if you want. But I'm coming out here with Kelsey Grammer just because he's, he's got a nice voice. He's like, because actually, to be honest, I was tired because either you can have a distinguished voice. So people kind of go like, oh, my conscience kind of sounds like Morgan Freeman. Oh, mine sounds like Kelsey Grammer. Or you can just have a completely different, like a nobody. Um, so it's like different. But yeah, I just went for Kelsey Grammer because it just, it just made me laugh. He does. I mean, yeah, you can hear the the soothing Frasier in the radio booth yeah, yeah. tones. Um, so the only the the sort of the last thing that I would that I would say is it, it seems like Riley's conscience develops in some ways because she is kind of kicked down and 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 is humiliated, and that's when her emotions decide to start letting it through. Do you think that? there you could have potentially looked at a different way to have it be a more positive thing of saying hey look listening to your conscience breeds positive results rather than oh i've been super humiliated and so i'll give it a go listening to the voice that says i should be nice yeah definitely um i just i i needed a big stake uh yeah kind of what i said before is better like for us for a story like I'll speak about Matt's in a bit. One of my biggest is he's got no stakes. It's fine in real life, but for a story, you need you need the main character to learn a lesson of some sorts. Um, so. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Andy. I'm going to go over to our final contestant, Ross. Hello. Uh, my film is called Outside In. Oh, um, the cunning. Yes. Um, very good. Right. Whenever you're ready, sir. So we open the movie with memories from Maroon 5 playing in the background. We then see a montage of Riley's life after we left it in the first movie. We have also narration by Joy over the top talking about all the new things they had to deal with from a girl growing from her 
teenage life to then being an adult. Uh, we see Riley going to college, getting a diploma, moving out of her parents, becoming a hockey star, going on a date, marrying a man, having children, visiting her parents. Then the film slows and the music from Michael Giacchino uh comes in and we see a shift in tone sadness takes over narration and we see riley attending her father's funeral uh, and then her mother's uh, she sees her children going off and living their lives uh, then we get an explanation from sadness that riley gradually started to forget things birthdays memorable dates so we then have a scene, a really touching scene in a hospital and Riley is diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Uh, sadness clicks the sad button on um, Riley's reaction and then it fades to black. Uh, a few years later, uh, we see Joy waking, um, all the other emotions, trying to inject some happiness into into them like they, she did in the first movie. Um we establish that Riley is now 65 and is living at home with her husband, Mark, who is mostly looking after her. The emotions try and control Riley throughout the scene, but the control panel doesn't seem to be working as much as it used to. The husband uh, tells Riley that their daughter and granddaughter are coming over for dinner. She says, who? Um, inside, the emotions are trying to respond uh, with an emotion, but to no effect. Um, Riley... Riley's family arrives and the daughter Megan says hi mum Riley is confused there's a rumble and her family island falls and Joy says not again um, she decides to put a core memory of Riley's daughter being born in the projector in order for Riley to remember her family but as the memory plays the orb just slowly fades away Joy and the team don't know what's going on, so they go to the long-term memory um, and find Riley's memories are starting to disappear. There, then fear starts to panic and the rest of the emotions have to calm him down. Meanwhile, in the real world, Riley's daughter goes through some of her mother's things and finds a picture she made when she was small of Bing Bong. She asks Riley who it is and Riley remembers bing bong then appears in long-term memory and says hello to the emotion gang and they have like a a lovely scene where they all you know have a wonderful reminisce and stuff and he joins the gang um joy and the gang try to figure out what they could do to bring uh riley's memories back they decide to try and boost her memory by going to imagination land but then all of a sudden, some of the long-term memory floor beneath them starts to crumble away. The shelves start to collapse and uh, they run to imagination land, barely surviving. Joy um, says they have to hurry. Bing Bong stops and starts to slowly disappear again as Riley starts to forget about him. Uh, Joy and the gang start panicking, but Bing Bong calms them down and tells them, at least for the time being, he gave her happiness. Joy now, with even more determination, rushes to imagination, the imagination boyfriend machine. She changes a few settings on it and uses it to create Riley's family in it, uh, the images of her family. There's a brief moment of which Riley looks at her daughter and Joy th thinks she's done it. The family island starts to rise from the chasm. However, the moment passes and it falls back down again. 
Joy is defeated. The rest of the emotions try and make her feel better, but to no avail. They head back to the headquarters. Riley and her family are all sitting having dinner. The emotions watch Riley eating dinner. Riley looks over at her, at her granddaughter, who is playing with her food and laughing. Joy realises something. That the granddaughter is happy in the moment. Joy discovers that Riley can still be happy even without all the memories. It's about being happy in the present. A core memory pops out and rolls down after Riley takes her first bite of the food she's eating. It's happiness and joy. All the emotions then hug and say that at least they have each other. Falling, um, b falling by Harry Styles play as we see Riley's life in fo photographs. Fade to black. Although there's no, uh, and in parentheses, although there's no comedy scenes um, have been written specifically, there is still room for, like, uh, humour in the dialogue that is going to be done. And that's the end. Okay. Right, so first off, no more contemporary references than Maroon 5? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, Memories by Maroon 5. <laughs> okay. Could, could you give All us right a little then. bit? That one. I can see it. I can see it in your movie now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good choice. It's me. It's me just doing that at the beginning of the movie. So, my first real question is why jump so far ahead and deal with dementia and alzheimer's when there would be I, i'm not i'm not saying this as in you've just skipped over 50 sequels we could have done before this um but why go to this when there are so many other avenues that you could have explored because i think that this is something that hasn't been put in film and i also think that it's a it's a it's a it's an in, an important thing about memory like that's what it like you know, that's what the first one is about. That's one of, you know, these core memories are littering this land of her her brain. And I was thought it was a cool, um, an interesting discussion to have with this film that is about these emotions and these and these mem and these memories that are stored in her brain um, to to have something that is a a, a sad topic, but. Uh, a real topic nonetheless okay um next thing in the disney pixar oeuvre we already have up yeah um which has a older protagonist in a hospital j jump cut to some time later and things have progressed could this feel a little too similar to that um I don't. I don't think having a montage of a sad thing is going to echo a another film. Like I don't think. I think that it's totally different in terms of the content that is that I'm going to be tackling in the movie. Um, I didn't want to. the The problem was trying to show that she had been given diagnosed with this disease, and then having. I could. You know. You could have scenes where she was going throughout her life gradually getting worse and worse up until she's 65 but i thought that i just wanted to focus on one moment like 
when she was older and the the, mm-hmm. the, the disease was getting worse. And I'm not saying yeah. that she's li- when she goes down to long term memory, that she's literally seeing all of bear in mind when you see it in the film, it is a field of memories. So these aren't this isn't like she's literally just like, oh, she, I'm forgetting everything. Um, it's a slow process a of yeah of things just gradually disappearing but i don't yeah i can see what you mean about having a an old person but again the the theme is different and i think that will carry it okay um slight concern that you 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 bring bing bong back and my worry is does that potentially lessen his sacrifice in the first film but then you then kill him off again. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, because it's about memory. He, he he can be remembered like that will happen. If she's ever drawn a picture of her imaginary friend, he will come back. And I just thought, obviously, in my pitch, I couldn't have him... There may be a bit more fleshed out scenes with him and the gang talking about like stuff, but... I wanted him to come back and have a higher stake, not that literally just Joy sees sees something and and she realizes that the imaginary boyfriend machine doesn't work and then she's like, oh, well, it's all fair. I wanted something else to like happen to her to see that she needs to do this. She needs to. Mm-hmm. She can't accept it. Okay. Um. So when. Which of the emotions go down to long-term memory? Uh, is it all of yeah, them? Yeah. Okay. So what is happening to Riley in human form while they're down there? They, I would say that they probably go when she's sleeping, maybe, or or okay. and then when she wakes up, or she maybe she has a nap. I don't know on her on her chair or something. I don't know. But yeah, I can see what you mean. Like maybe someone. Um, but I've said in the in the beginning of the movie that the console's not really working anymore. So like sometimes yeah, sometimes it's not working and they're frustrated with that. So maybe there's more that they they just leave her just sort of just aimlessly. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's up to you. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 fine. I was just curious. It, it like yeah, if there yeah, was if there's someone there running it. Yeah. Yeah, or or if someone was like trying to speak to her and she's awake but no one's operating it and sort of catatonic yeah and any other number of really distressing upsetting things that we could put into this children's film (laughs) um right yeah thank you thank you for uh, that that sounded very glib but honestly there's there's some really bloody good stuff in all three of those and and we like we say this every week. We're like, oh, this is oh, this is going to be a really difficult decision. This is genuinely going to be a really really difficult decision. Um, and so I need you guys to take it away and tell me why yours is better than the others. Um, you're free form. You are free to roam. Let's go. Cool. Um, I'll, if you don't mind, guys, I'll take this one first. Um, mm-hmm. First and foremost, uh, yeah, echoing Drew. I, I'm not gonna sit here and say why you shouldn't pick any of the other movies in this one. Um, I respect the themes and the directions that all the movies are going, and so I would say that there's probably perhaps three worthy winners in this one. However, why I think you should pick mine, um, I feel like it is a topic and 
something that I think is starting to be normalised but needs to be fully shown to be accepted and it's a platform ultimately it's platforms like Disney and Pixar that can normalise the conversation in the living room as well as in the school and in the playground and I think that's why I personally picked um, a journey of sexuality for Riley to make it so it's something that you know children watching it with their parents may be able to take some comfort and give themselves an opportunity to face what is deemed an extremely difficult conversation with parents in one of their most vulnerable times in their life so that is why I okay. think mine is the better one but fair play gents I really loved all the pictures today uh, Andy say we're being very respectful in this fight aren't we I will follow suit um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't feel you have you to. Say, you but... guys fucking suck. Um, no, to be honest, very hard. Very hard. Uh, those are very good pictures. Um, I say, Mike, mine... Um, with with Matt, I just think this... Has this character never appeared before? Sorry. Has this character never appeared before? Uh, has she never, like, really fancied, like, a celebrity or something? Or, like, a, another person her age? No. Um, but the main thing with me, uh, with, with yours, is there is, like, just no drama. There's just no stakes. Um... I'd beg to differ. Uh, it would be like good if there's like Riley somehow saved Stevie at the end of of, of something. I don't know, some a bully or maybe something a bit more dangerous, and then you can kind of maybe be like, oh, you like, saved each other of certain, you know, maybe. Uh, bo- both Matt's and Ross's are they're very hard subjects, not impossible to talk about, just very hard. Mine's quite easy to follow. It's something everyone goes through. Um, they say, like, yeah, Ross, I think you've missed something by skipping so many ahead. Um, I think this would be a great third in a trilogy, but maybe not second. And for a kid's film, it's, yeah, like, like I know you said there's no comedy scenes written, but it's just hard to imagine where a com- where comedy or lightheartedness will be to keep the kids, who will be the majority of the audience, kind of going until the end. Fair. Okay. So fair. Ross? Um, I... Um, I don't think that me having the time gap necessarily cheapens it or anything. I think, I think regardless of, I think it's an interesting topic to talk about, uh, and it relates to the movie itself. It's about memory, uh, and I, th- I think it's an interesting topic to talk about. Um, you know, I didn't just go into this going, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know anything about Alzheimer's. Like I, I asked somebody that i know about it and i said is this respectful do you think that this topic is a good topic to talk about and you know they said yeah it's 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 a good topic um i think with matt's like matt's got a really good uh thing there like uh sexuality and stuff um needs to be addressed in films and i think that but i worry that the there's no journey for the internal emotions per se more like there's a lot of journey for riley herself um i just feel there's something missing in in his inner emotion uh story which you know it's again it's just a pitch it's not a script so you know <laughs> it's an idea to say it this time <laughs> yeah um and with andy's i worry that there that the emotions are le- leaning towards all being quite 
like, I don't know, like mean. Like they come across quite mean and they want to do stuff that, and they laugh a lot and they laugh at things. And I think his core concept, again, of having, listening to his, listening to someone's inner, like, like conscience or having a conscience is good. I think... I don't. I just. I just. I don't know. There's something missing for me. So that, and I. I re. I'm really passionate about my story, and that's why I think, you know, you should pick mine because <laughs> I'm passionate okay. about it. So well, yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> um, okay, right. I. I'm gonna do my final thoughts now. Um, again, echoing it. So apologies the, for the listeners whose favourite bit is us like having a massive go at each other and shouting each other down. It's too that was that very film, ordered and respectful. But I feel like my blood pressure is significantly lower than it normally is at this point in the podcast. <laughs> well, I think it's so. because like uh, we all picked some interesting... Because, I mean, Inside Out is a, is a sad film and it's got like... It's not sad, but like it's got like a really heartfelt theme and i think that's why we can't go yours is bloody rubbish you didn't put the you didn't research the dead king you idiot um or matt you didn't even write your final end of your fucking pitch which he did this time which is three acts this week all right you did so like very good but next week oh i'm gonna go hell for leather i've gone soft on you to this week it's gonna be mad next week (laughs) it's gonna all be saved up from this week um so yeah just running through again in order my overall thoughts matt very very (sighs) worthy makes it sound like i'm being a bit sarcastic Mm. it's i i completely agree um I don't know if Disney in real life would actually go for it because of issues with the international market, but I think that would be a really good ultimate message of the story. You've painted a really great picture of the of the parents coming to terms with it and the dad and that scene with Riley. That's all really great, but for it to be an emotional tentative slow building romance between two teenagers and and coming out and discovering all of that kind of stuff we've seen it like if if any of you guys have watched um have watched this is us it's a wonderful wonderful um arc where one of randall's daughters comes out as uh, and explains that she thinks she's gay and so it is absolutely possible to deal with this with early teens age kids and to deal with it respectfully and artistically and emotionally but there's not there there aren't many stakes and i think for a kids film there could be an issue in keeping the attention of the primary audience for the movie in no way taking away from how important that would be for andy like i love the new concept of um the voice in the back of the head coming in we've all been early teens teenagers and for some of us in some occasions later teens teenagers when your emotions just tell you to be a complete shit to someone for no reason and you feel horrible about it later that's something we have all experienced and there i I can see those stakes for the character big but there's no real stakes for the emotions they're they're sort of they're they're getting things wrong and they're upset and they're a bit confused by the ghost but they don't have there's not much agency the only the the main character of yours andy is the ghost they're the only one who actually 
drives anything forwards and they're not a particularly strong presence through the film i think it would feel quite passive and might have a similar issue that i worry mats would have in that there's no driving sort of adventure for a kid to follow um but yeah the idea of the voice in the back of the head basically being the super ego i would have i would have loved it if you'd brought in the the there's the super ego and it's kelsey grammar and then you have jack black as the id coming in from the subconscious and being like yes eat all the cookies push them over and then having the emotions be the ego trying to mediate between the two but i'm not writing your film i've got to go off the one that you wrote um lastly ross good god it's a heavy theme um to put across to kids um it really is those deaf um, in soul but they did it yeah just just hang hold on <laughs> chill out um but i've i think i've referenced inside out before on the podcast i may have edited it out i can't remember if it actually made it into the episode but kids can deal with difficult concepts and as matt pointed out using this medium can be a really good way to get messages across to kids and it's yours has a journey for the emotions who are the main characters of the first movie but doesn't have as much for the people and the the lives of the family outside um and once again my classic line on this is that there's absolutely an amazing duo or trilogy of films smushing these together but and i will explain my reasoning this week the winner is ross yay I, th- I honestly thought it was going to be matt um yeah me too <laughs> i like i i'm not i i i'm so torn i'm so so torn because matt's matt's has so many so many wonderful scenes and i and it and it's gorgeous and that moment at the end made me feel really emotional um but Ross has had some of those moments that made me feel emotional as well with trying to remember and losing the memories and things. And ultimately, Ross's, the, the, the characters that the audience are going to be coming to see are the emotions. And you want Amy Poehler and Phyllis Smith and all of those people coming back and giving them more to do and giving yeah, them... Non-funny roles in that funny film. You, that's, that's they funny. Look, we've seen the interplay between those characters dealing with their primary emotions can drive comedy, absolutely. It's deeper and... I, I, and if people do decide to tweet us about this, I have no doubt that a lot of people are going to be picking Matt's. And there are going to be people picking yours, Andy. Although the other thing with yours, Andy, that really stuck in my mind was as, as an A-level psychology student many moons ago, I, I couldn't get it out of my head that kids develop a conscience at ages like three to five, not when they're 14. And so it, I, I really I struggled with coming to terms with the fact that she, she would have had that voice in her head in the first film and it already wasn't there. Um, and so it just wasn't quite there. And again, with a bit of tweaking, it could absolutely work. I, I'm, but I have to go off the movies that I have. And I think for the general audience, for the structure of a film, if, if, if we could make this a live action like 15 rated or 12 rated thing that was about the relationship between the two kids then matt 
like Matt's written an Oscar winning film and Andy <laughs> with a bit of, with some other tweaks it could absolutely if it was like a sequel about a younger kid and showing how the emotions learn how to deal with right and wrong that could work really well but as a sequel to Inside Out Ross's is the truest sequel for me and has the clearest kind of adventure and journey for the characters to go on and adversity to push against and be pushed back against and learn a lesson at the other end. So there we go. Kudos to all three of you. All three of you absolutely brought your A-game. That was a super hard decision. I really, really struggled because I can see an a, a fantastic movie in all three of those. So thank you. Ross... That then takes us to you to let us know what movie we're going to be watching for the next episode. We are going to be pitching... Well, you are going to be pitching your sequels for the 1985 cult classic Commando starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Very good. Matt does not sound um, appreciative of this amazing movie. Matt, you will enjoy it. <laughs> I, I will find out when I, I watch you, it for the first time. I'm sure you will. <laughs> you'll you'll definitely enjoy it, Matt. You'll uh, whether ironically or not, you'll you will find enjoyment in this movie. Anyway, right. I think that is it for this episode. So all that is left to do is to say goodbye. So it's goodbye from Matt Rushton. Bye and Pixar, Disney. Come on, start opening your eyes a bit. Goodbye from Andy Henry. Goodbye. Goodbye from this week's winner, Ross Harmston. Bing bong, fuck me, I like to rock. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me. Thank you for listening to Sequel Pitch. If you've enjoyed it, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would always love to hear from you via our social media, where you can find us by searching Sequel Pitch on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. See you next week. Bye.